You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. Got a little bit to get to on this edition of the podcast as SMU set for an 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time tilt against Memphis in Moody Coliseum on CBS Sports Network. The NFL Combine is underway. James Prochet has arrived. Rodney Clemens will arrive in Indianapolis as well and measure in for NFL teams later this week. And so we're going to talk a little bit about the Combine and kind of what I expect from both of those guys and what I think they could do with strong showings there in Indianapolis as all of that will wrap up on Sunday with Rodney working out on uh, Sunday and Sunday afternoon, James Prochet set to work out Thursday late afternoon in Indianapolis. And look, it's a big week for those guys, but it's also a big week for Tim Jankovic and the SMU Mustangs. So we're going to begin there. Tim Jankovic met with the media on Monday night at Ozona before his radio show. And look, he he was pretty, I would say, upset with think obviously how the week went for SMU losing to Tulane and Tulsa both on the road and there were two takeaways for me first Tim Jankovic was critical of SMU's defense calling themselves really not a good defensive team throughout the year which we knew that right SMU's been carried by their offense their ability to shoot the basketball when it's going well and that is something that Tim Jankovic highlighted that did not go well one thing he pointed out at least in his mind, is that the shot selection was great for the team and they just didn't make shots. And at the end of the day, we've seen SMU win games when they haven't shot the ball well. That's something they've done at times this year. And that's something that Tim Jankovic has highlighted before as he's really been proud of his team when when things don't go well offensively or shots aren't falling and they've been able to to come away with wins. Now, in my opinion, it's that's been more on the level of competition that they've played in those games that they've been able to come away with those types of wins and against Tulane and Tulsa, I'll disagree with them a little bit on a lot of the shot selection that SMU is taking beyond the arc. There were some good looks there that weren't falling, but there were also a lot, a lot of jacked up threes and and late shot clock uh, uh, takes by the by the team. And we even saw that on the last possession against Houston. I think all of that kind of manifested itself over the course of last week where SMU was downright awful shooting the basketball and was was never I I felt never really in both games that they played on the road last week. And Here's what I said on on Saturday, and and I I think it still remains true. And now here here's what I'll say: SMU's probably going to go out and beat Memphis because I said it because that's kind of the law of averages. That's how it works when you put something like this out there. And we saw SMU get called soft by Tim Jankovic all week leading up to the Houston game, and they came out mad and upset and all of those things. And so it doesn't surprise me. It wouldn't surprise me if SMU came out and beat Memphis. SMU's favorite at home. They've played better at, uh, at home. Memphis is not the team that everybody thought they were going to be. They've got some NBA talent, which will be interesting to see kind of how they play 
in response to SMU beating them at home, certainly, and also kind of not having the season that they had as well. So what will Penny Hardaway do? What will Tim Jankovic do? Because for a lot of the Memphis game, obviously SMU was down. They were out pretty much, but they battled back and were able to get away, get out of Memphis with a win in the in the last minutes uh, over the Tigers. And so now we'll kind of see which team shows up in Moody Coliseum on on Tuesday night. Is it the SMU team from the back half of that Memphis game, back really 10 minutes, eight minutes, whatever it was, or will it be the Memphis team that had SMU on the ropes for much of that game? I think it will say a lot about this group, how they respond in Moody Coliseum Tuesday night, because look, the crowd's probably not going to be there having lost those two games, but we'll see kind of what they draw against a Memphis team that certainly has the name recognition and everybody remembers some of the the good matchups SMU's had with them over the years in the AAC. Here's what I said on Saturday. I called SMU, uh, SMU's effort embarrassing. I, I said that they've quit on Tim Jankovic, and I do believe that to be true. And a win over Memphis doesn't necessarily change that. And here's why. Because this team, and we've seen this, and we saw it last year against UConn. Remember, we've told the story about Larry Brown visiting practice and asking Tim Jankovic, hey, can I talk to the team for a minute after practice? And after Tim Jankovic had kind of said, hey, good practice, guys. All right, let's go get them tomorrow against UConn. Larry Brown proceeded to rip the SMU Mustangs and absolutely tear down just about every single player on that team. In response, they go out and they take it to UConn last season in Moody Coliseum. We've told that story on the board, telling it to you guys again. When this team is pushed, I think, to respond and to, and they're kind of bullied, I would say, at least in the rare instances that they have been, they've responded fairly well. And Kendrick Davis actually quote tweeted my take on Twitter and said that it was hard to win on the road and that they're still a young team and they're they're still trying to figure things out. Now, he later deleted that tweet, but, I mean, screenshots do live forever. And I think SMU is going to come out with a better effort against Memphis. That does not change my opinion that this team has quit on Tim Jankovic. There's just not enough accountability in the program in terms of how they come out and compete every single night. There's not enough accountability just in general with that roster. There's a lot of pieces on the roster that are not in line with, I th- with, I, with what Tim Jankovic is trying to do. And most of that leads me to say they've quit on Tim Jankovic. I don't think we've seen many adjustments from this team this year. They are what they are against Tulane. The the logical thing would have been for them to pound it in, inside with Isaiah JC. Isaiah Mike had some advantages in the post as well. We didn't see any of that from SMU's team. And I think when you have a plan like that, which is jack up threes, and it doesn't go well, and you're seeing players like Isaiah JC have success in the paint. He was three for three, had six points. Uh, he actually might have finished with a couple more points than that uh, with free throws or something. But anyway, point remains, he was three for three in the paint with his with his shots. When you see things like that and advantages like that happen and you don't take advantage of it and the result is a loss, 
I think that can be discouraging for a team. Then you see yourself go on the road against Tulsa. You get blown out in the second half. It was kind of close at halftime. That's another discouraging moment for a team. And I think barring Emmanuel Bandamel's prayer that goes in against Houston, this team is viewed vastly differently. And look, a win is a win in college basketball. I'm a big believer in that. So I am not poo-pooing the win over Houston. They got the job done. They were the team that came out on top. And credit to SMU for fighting after almost blowing that one completely. But there's not, I would say, a lot of confidence in Tim Jankovic right now to make the adjustments that they need to go out and, and win a basketball game. Like if SMU wins tonight, it's not necessarily because SMU does anything different, in my opinion. It's key guys making shots. Maybe it's a ticked off Kendrick Davis. Maybe it's Isaiah Mike wanting to bounce back from that brutal technical foul uh, he committed a, a, against Tulsa. Those things do add up, and they can more so play with a little bit of an edge that this team needs. Because if you look at the roster makeup with this basketball team, they've got the pieces to have a little bit of an edge to them. Theoretically, I mean, Tyson Jolly has an edge. Isaiah Mike, I think, has an edge. Kendrick Davis has an edge. He, he certainly didn't play well against Tulane, but there are guys on this roster that have an edge. Ferran Hunt, when he's motivated, he has an edge. He didn't play well against Tulane, and and he get, he has to get back to playing better basketball and more consistent basketball. My point of all of that is saying, when I say SMU quit on Tim Jankovic, it's because I don't think they play for Tim Jankovic. I think they play for the most part themselves and teammates. And yes, that's being a team, but you've got to believe in what your coach is also putting together, putting out there. And I don't think SMU has that. Now, like I said, wouldn't shock me in the world if they came out and beat Memphis because, of course, I said that SMU quit on Tim Jankovic, so naturally they're going to use that as motivation. I, I'd, I'd be shocked if that hasn't been talked about in the locker room this week. Be shocked. And we'll see. We'll see how they play. Uh, I think SMU can beat Memphis. I don't think Memphis is very disciplined. I don't think they have anything to write home about in terms of intricate schemes that can beat SMU. So it'll kind of be a matchup of who can out-athlete, who can make shots, things like that. Very kind of simple basketball, I would say, for the most part when looking at this matchup on, on Tuesday night. So my point is that, and I think last week kind of showed it, there needs to be a change made. And... If, if people on the outside can't see it, if people on the inside can't see it, maybe that's just people being too close to it. Or people just thinking, oh, well, the whole team will be back. And Tim Jankovic, that's probably actually one of the things I probably should have mentioned right off the bat. Tim Jankovic said every single player on SMU's team will have the opportunity to return in 2020. That's an issue. That is an issue. Because this team needs upgrades. It needs more talent. It needs more of an edge, if anything. It needs more players that want to compete really, really hard day in, day out. It doesn't need, it doesn't need new star players. I think Kendrick Davis is very good. I think Tyson Jolly is very good. Isaiah Mike is very good. Ferran Hunt has the potential to be very good. Ethan Shagwa has the potential to be very good. 
Emmanuel Bandamel has been up and down, but playing well. But overall, this team needs more of an edge, more of a want to. And I think part of that would start with a new head coach because clearly he's not getting enough out of them making shots or not. If, 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 if shot making is the reason why SMU went 0 for 2 against Tulane and Tulsa, I've got some ocean pro- oceanfront property to sell you in Arizona. Because SMU is not supposed to lose to Tulane. And there were very simple ways to avoid that loss. And they didn't do them. And it started with Tim Jankovic. So, I mean, I'm very interested to see how SMU responds Tuesday night. I think it's going to be a good basketball game. I think SMU is going to be very motivated. I'm sure the tweet that I sent out is pinned somewhere or has been talked about. There's very little doubt in my mind. And I'm sure I'll hear from a couple people if they win, that, oh, they haven't quit on Tim Jankovic. Well, we'll agree to disagree. I think this team could use a change. I've said that, believe that, and I don't think they really realize where they are until they go to that other side. And maybe it's a new coach that that uh, would bring that out, would bring that recognition out that, hey, maybe, maybe we weren't playing as hard as we we did. Maybe we didn't have the, all the tools to succeed. So we'll see. But wouldn't shock me at all if SMU beat Memphis Tuesday night in Moody Coliseum. We'll have all your coverage on Pony Stampede. On the other side of this break, I'm going to talk a little bit about the NFL Combine. And then I also want to talk a little bit about some of the breakout players I've got pegged for in spring football practice, which is really just about two weeks away. I think it's actually a week and a half away. So Stick with us. We'll be right back with more on the Pony Stampede podcast after this quick break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. Quick reminder, guys, through the end of February, sign up for Pony Stampede and get the first month for just a dollar. So that would cover you about halfway through spring ball with uh, that dollar that you can just subscribe for uh, to Pony Stampede. And also, a quick reminder, leave us a rating, leave us a review on the podcast, let us know how we're doing. We appreciate all you guys for subscribing to the pod. James Prochet. One of the best wide receivers in SMU history. Rodney Clemens, one of the most productive and longtime starters for SMU and in the uh, recent memory for sure, are slated to work out in Indianapolis at the NFL Combine. We'll have all your coverage of that as well. I'll be watching. I'm a big Combine guy, so always enjoy that. And just to kind of run you down the schedule, 
Thursday from 3 to 10 p.m. Central. Tight ends, wide receivers, and quarterbacks will work out in Indianapolis. And then Sunday from 1 to 6 p.m. Central, defensive backs will work out in Indianapolis. You can watch all of it on the NFL Network. They do a pretty good job. They'll, they'll kind of break away at times and do some interviews, but they also do a really good job of really tracking it the entire time. So I'm interested to see, obviously, what media, what NFL draft gurus are saying about SMU um, and, and James Prochet set to meet with the media on Tuesday. And and I think one, one uh, team to, to watch so far that I've picked up with James Prochet is the Patriots. And it kind of makes sense, right? A slot, the Patriots love their slot guys. And, and the report out of Doug Kayed, I'm probably butchering that a little bit, uh, or Keed or Kayed, um, He's, he works for uh, Nesson and covers the Patriots. He reported on Tuesday, just before I ju- jumped on this podcast to record it, that Prochet had already met with the Patriots. And really, I mean, he is somebody that I think Tom Brady, in, in, if he does return, I think he would, would be an excellent fit. And, and he would be able to develop. And look, James Prochet, I think, in terms of measuring in, did about as well as, as he could. Um, with his measurements, and and here's why. He comes in at just a shade under 5'11", 201. He's got big hands for receiver 9 and 5'8", inch hands, and then a wingspan of 72 uh, and 5'8", inch. So, um, look, I, I think I think Prochet is a perfect fit for Tom Brady. I think he's going to be able to show some people at the Combine what he's all about. He's already shown them at, at the Senior Bowl. I thought, look, his production was fairly limited in the game, but he really did a good job getting open during the week, made some great catches, did what he's done for the most part during his SMU career in Indianapolis, uh, in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, and now he's kind of uh, set to follow up with with a, a, a combine performance. I'm very interested to see what he runs in the 40. I think anything in the 4-5-ish range would be huge. I know he's been working his absolute tail off for it. Uh, anything in that mid 4-5 would be uh, would be excellent for him because I don't know if he's a if he's a laser 4-4-8 type of guy. If he is, draft stock up. Uh, that'd be big for him. Rodney Clemens, I've heard a lot of positive things about Rodney, uh, just talking with different people that have come through SMU's office during the season and watching him. He really shows out a lot better on uh, on on film and and, and certainly um, certainly is uh, somebody that I think doesn't get enough credit for what he did um, for SMU this this season. And throughout his career, and and he kind of faced some tough, uh, tough, um, tough scenarios. I think you know playing his first two years in a defense that wasn't very co- wasn't coached very well, wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't really given the tools to succeed. And so, um, yeah, I think he's somebody that has a chance to to run fairly well, interview well. I think he's. Um, think he's somebody that when you turn on the tape you look for production I think he's a special teams guy in the NFL and when you get invited to the combine I mean that that says a lot about what teams think of you because that that isn't something that's just handed out 
I figured Delonte Scott would have an option to go to the NFL Combine. I think Patrick Nelson would have had a chance. But no, it's Rodney Clemens. So I'm excited to see what he does at the Combine this week. He'll work out on Sunday. He'll arrive and, and really get going in the middle of the week with his uh, part of it. Now, I want to transition to spring football. Kind of end on a high note here. Some breakout candidates for SMU football. And I, I talk, and I'll pub it again, but uh, went behind the scenes with SMU during spring workouts and and kind of covered it from a minute-by-minute perspective. And, and here are a couple guy, a few guys to watch in spring ball that I feel like are, are due to break out. I'll start with Ulysses Bentley, running back. I think just looking at him on the hoof and his speed, and we talked about him a lot during fall camp. We kind of we thought he would have a bigger role in in 2019, but staff worked out to to redshirt him, which I think is a big big help for him. I think he needed to get bigger. He needed to get a little bit better in pass protection. Remember, he, he was transitioning from playing high school quarterback at C.E. King and now was being asked to you know, pick up protections and do all those things and read holes as a running back. Just looking at him on the hoof, I mean, he's poised for a big spring. And I think they're going to be super careful with him. They'll get him his touches. They'll get him his work and pass protection. But that's somebody that is poised to have a huge breakout spring. T.J. McDaniel, I would say the same thing. I mean, T.J. is somebody that works his absolute tail off as well. Obviously got a good look against Texas State with a huge rushing performance in that in that game. So I think both those guys are poised for breakout springs. Another one that I'll highlight and and just looks totally different since he walked in the door as a true freshman is Calvin Wiggins. Now, Reggie Robertson returns. They obviously had Danny Gray in June. Rasheed Rice is coming back. There's some receivers that are that are gonna be, yeah, I think, heavily in heavily in the mix to to compete and and take snaps away from him. But Calvin Wiggins, at least in his lower body, is now filled out. I mean, he is not a twig anymore. He's got to get better and more consistent catching the football. But overall, he's put together a really nice spring. And and you can tell that redshirt year, that time he spent in the weight room with Kaz Kazadi, really paid off for him as as he looks uh, totally different physically. Another player that I really like to highlight and, and switching over to the defensive side of the ball is 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 Gary Wiley another player that I thought really looked the part uh, is 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 thick is is kind of ready to step in to that defensive end spot there with with uh, Delonte Scott leaving and again I think opposite of Turner Cox Wiley has a chance to probably be pretty impactful as a as a true fresh or as a um, as a sophomore uh, this year I think he might have, yeah sophomore redshirt sophomore he might have redshirted this year, past year sophomore sometime somewhere in there might be a junior even uh, but he's been on campus a couple of years now and, and to, looks totally different from when he arrived as a late signee in the 2018 class um, and and him and Nelson Paul I think Nelson he's recovering from a little bit of a foot issue or ankle or something like that saw him in a boot at practice but he just gets after it I mean he does a really good job with his effort. I think he's poised to break out on the on the defensive end spot, um, and then look in the secondary. You look at players that really need to take a step up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna peg Armani Johnson. He had a really strong start to the 2019 season, but with losing Rodney Clemens, with Trevor Denbo moving up to linebacker, which we reported as well on Pony Stampede, you can really see him having a breakout year as far as being truly one of the best corners in the AAC. I think as a corner, 
it's kind of like being a defenseman in the NHL. The NHL is kind of viewed as, for defensemen, you need to play about 150 to 200 games before you're usually legit and one of the best. I mean, for you Stars fans out there, Sean Klingberg, he used to drive me up a wall when I watched him because he was so young but so talented and make a lot of boneheaded errors. But one, now, he's I think he just hit 200 games. He's really come on as one of the best defensemen in the league. And, and Miro Hiskinen is going to only get better as well. So, hockey talk over. Corners. There are very few that can step in right away and be difference makers in their first year as a starter. Probably Greedy Williams is one for me at LSU. Derek Stingley. There are very few guys nationally that can do that. Armani Johnson did a pretty good job as a, as a redshirt freshman corner in 2019. As a starter, he was banged up, and, and that kind of hurt the back half of his season. This coming year, I think he's going to be even better. He's got a full offseason to understand what he's got to put together. I think he's poised for a big spring and, and has a chance to develop into one of the conference's best corners. So I'm looking forward to seeing Armani Johnson this spring. Spring ball kicks off next week. March, uh, or not next week, uh, March 8th. That Monday is the beginning of spring ball for SMU. So just over uh, a week away, if my math is, uh, if my math is two weeks, two weeks from spring ball, just under two weeks from spring ball um, for SMU football. Uh, and then it'll wrap up with April 18th being the SMU spring game. So with that, guys, I'm going to put a wrap on this podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Thanks for listening and keep it locked on Pony Stampede. For all the latest on SME basketball and football, have a great rest of the week. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. (laughs) Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.